Look at this skinny guy. Yeah. What are you doing, buddy? Man. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. is here. He's going to be at Side Splitters all weekend. Fatherhood. Yeah, I know. I, I was saying that the other day. I was pretty sure. How old is your kid now? He's three. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's a jerk now? Wait till he's 12. At least I can fight him then. No, because no. You want to know what's going to happen? I see my son. My son's 13. I see him in the hallway now, and I think there's an intruder. Before you know it, <laughs> you have a man that lives with you. It comes out of nowhere. I, I, I'm I trying to. We don't whip our child. No. At least my girl made me promise to not right. whip our child. I think I hit my son a couple of times. And I wish I could take everyone in the back, but I'm not talking like beating them. You know, like, you know, they say down here in the South, they say my grandmother made me go pick a switch. That's just, that's horribly abusive to me. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do when he's like about 10 or 11, I'm going to yoke, I call it yoke him up real good. You You have to let him know your boss. It's like, it's like when you get a dog. You know, like when a football player makes a stupid play and he comes back to the sideline and the coach grabs him by the face mask. Right, and he, oh, you're stupid. His head, yeah. That, but with the shirt. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I, I was in the. I was telling the story the other day. I was in the kitchen with my wife and my son, and I looked at my son. And he's all shirtless with abs and shoulders. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I just double hand fisted. I double pushed him into the refrigerator. And my wife goes, oh, and he goes, what was that for? I go, just let you know I can. Yeah. Because I know I'm not going to be able to You've gotta, much longer. What do they say in football? Dip and rip. you got to get under those shoulders yeah. like a tackling sled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Blocking sled or whatever It it's happened called. so quick, man. I'm telling you. people. Two things people annoyed the hell out of me with. Before you had the kid, they were like, you are not going to understand how much you love this kid. And I go, I get it. It's my kid. I love. Then the kid's born. You're like, all right, I get it now. Then... The other thing is that uh, you realize how quickly you can't wait to punch them. I'm starting to get the love part. The love part's coming in. Because the first two years, it's, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he needs clothes. Wait, he needs more clothes. Oh, my God. It's school. Babysitters. Before this, you could live on your, you could live in a car if you had to. Now you can't because you got to take care of somebody else. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, wait, this is what. Career stability and the importance mm-hmm. of it. Oh, okay, it matters now. Okay. Right. Hey, Trevor Noah. Yeah. Have like a story, please. Can in, I go cover something? In radio, it used to be, I don't care what my boss tells me. I'm doing my show the way I do. Then I have a kid, and I'm like, whatever you guys need, just let me know. Hey, as long as we're good here. Hey, yeah. Just tell the consultant that I'm really <laughs> yeah. viable and open mm-hmm. to any suggestions. I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy who listens to the boss. At what age did, as, as fathers, at what age with your kid did you stop lying about being happy about their accomplishments? <laughs> <laughs> My uh, kid can count to 46. That's his trick, right? Yeah. He can count 46. To 40, 46. Three years old. You might want to have him tested. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to know. That probably costs money, too, to send him off to some smart kid. Hut. No. Uh, so I have to, like, clap and pretend to be happy yeah, for him. When deep down, I'm yeah. not impressed. Right. I, I know all the numbers. <laughs> you only know 46 of them. It goes to infinity, kid. You better step up your yeah, game. Yeah. Like, but, you know, but you're supposed to encourage a positive encouragement. I've yeah. read all the books. Let him be stupid for a little while. Yeah. Because then when he does something good, you're really impressed. Yeah. Like my son was all C's and maybe a B. And then all of a sudden this year, he's all A's. And I'm like, I don't, I feel like I raised a good kid now. Bro, I was A, B on a roll to the sixth grade. And then I kept a C on my report card until my last two years of college. Because you I, realize what you need. Yeah. And then I was Dean's List. My yeah. last two years of school, my I, mom was like, who oh, my baby? Yeah. My, I told my son, I go, you know what it is? You stop playing that stupid Fortnite. 
now you actually care about something. <laughs> you know? Uh, wait till wait till he plays sports. Your son. Oh, I don't, I hope not. Uh, like I what the, would you want travel him to play? schedule? Eh, I nixed that pretty early. I'm like, look, play all the hockey you want. I'm not doing one of those travel teams. I only played baseball and soccer organized. I played a little bit of basketball and you know, rec league and all right, that. Right. I don't really count that, but like proper high school, varsity, whatever the yeah. hell, baseball. And I think baseball is probably the best parallel to real life in terms of the sport and teaching patience and understanding repetitious failure and yes. all of that type of stuff. I think that's the best sport to prepare you for life. Okay. But it is also the worst sport boring. in the summer yeah. to drive a child <laughs> around the country <laughs> in three hours yeah. in the heat. To, and, to and, play four games in a tournament. Oh, my Lord. I went to a field day. My child's three. I took him to a field day, and I dared to look at my phone. And one of the parents was like, we try to be present uh, here. Uh, oh! Somebody yelled at me in school line once for looking at my phone. I was like, I'm, I'm in park. And he's like, yeah, but you didn't. I was like, I rolled up my window. I was like, get out of here. But none of the other parents understand the concept of my job and that email is still how the deals and right, stuff. Right, happening now. My job is part phone. Yeah. You're not at your job right, right now because you're here. But I am doing two things at the same time or trying to. That's, that's what I had to tell my wife. I said to my wife when she used to get mad we had a restaurant and be on my phone. I said, you don't understand. If I don't look at this phone till the till the deal is done, we lose this interview. Somebody else scoops it up before us. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's how it works. That's how it goes. Really, all you have to say to any other parents go, I'm on TV. Just yeah. you don't know what it's but like. Do you want to drop that car? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to be the dude? If, if they're going to say we want you to be present, you say I'm on TV. That shuts them down. <laughs> right. You don't want to deal with those people anyways. Mm, I don't tell you how to run the warehouse. You yeah. don't tell me how to be funny on TV. I don't know. Uh, this is Roy Wood Jr. Roy is going to be at Side Splitters tonight, 8 and 10, 15, and then Saturday 8 and 10, 30, because he's famous. He only has to do the four shows, and then he leaves. 960-1197 or SideSplittersComedy.com to get tickets. Roy is very funny, and you know him now from Comedy Central. Do they pay you good? Yeah. They do? Yeah. Now or like? Uh, yeah, now. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you know, first year, it's like any television show, you know, rookie contract. Right, right. We you had that good, one. What's the one guy? Up. Michael uh, Costa. It? Costa. Yeah, Costa's a road dog. He, I got to tell you, he came in here and he was wearing, he, was, he looked like he had robbed a mannequin from two different stores and wore those clothes. <laughs> he had a weird Miami like Heat hat on. Yeah. And it had Hawaiian stuff on it. And then he had like a brown leather jacket. It was 90 degrees. And I finally I go, what the hell are you wearing? He goes, I don't know. I tried to relate with the Florida hat and all that. Yeah, he was he was a funny guy. Now, are you yeah. there every day? Or do you, like, how often, does, how does that work? You're in the office every day. But you, are. you don't know if you're getting called downstairs. And do you, do you some news or something crazy. Do you sit around and, and, and write, like, uh, what are you doing every day? Like, coming up with ideas? You're either editing, you're, you're either editing something you already shot. Oh. Or you're brainstorming, you're brainstorming something you're going to go shoot. What's Those are pretty much like? your two life cycles. It's, it's okay. It's, there's days where it's tougher because, oh, this news just happened today. Come downstairs, quick, quick, quick. It, like, right. perfect example was on Monday. We did a piece about the impeachment and the whistleblower and all of that stuff. That was a non-issue on Friday. I walked in the building on Monday at, like, 10, where morning meeting is happening. They go, yeah, you're on tonight. Go meet with the writers. We're going to talk about the whistleblower, and we're going to give the whistleblower's name uh, on the, the fake yeah, name. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And so you you break off to do that, and that's what you focus on for the day. And then tomorrow when you come back, 
go down to the edit and look at the piece you just shot and all of that. That's, I love that. I love that. But I don't know if the pressure, like, I always see those Saturday Night Live guys. I'm like, you can tell that they're running out of ideas. <laughs> and, uh, the, like, having to come to the table and, and write funny stuff every week. SNL hella... is such a different beast, man. Yeah. God bless them all. Because at least at the Daily Show, there's just days where it's just Trevor. Right. He could be go out there and read hey, the news. Hey, boss, go handle all that, man. <laughs> Be in my office. Do people love that. him? Yeah. yeah. He's got the dimples, man. You can't compete I mean, he's, with he's an dimples. attractive man. Dimples and an accent. Hey, listen, you got a black guy with an accent telling jokes about America. There's such a portion of them, people are just going to hate him automatically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You ain't from here. How dare you? Right, right. But which, I think which is fair in the Jim Jeffries case, but not Trevor Noah. I think there's something to people having someone. But that's what we do in America. We like. People with accents coming and telling us about ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay and yeah, Simon yeah. Cowell. Gordon Ramsay telling us to piss off. Yeah. And we're fat. And Simon Cowell telling us we're terrible. Donkey. Yeah. Uh, yeah and Trevor uh, just comes in and goes, your president's whack. You know, but uh, hey, I came up under worst dictator. So let me show you how to get through this. Right, He's actually yeah. qualified. <laughs> you hang out with him? Uh, here and there, but our he schedules got, don't match up. He got too famous too quick. Uh, not, not too. I'm just saying like he came, he'd come to town here to do a show. Then they add like four shows. Yeah, he, I he, mean, people just want to see him. People underestimated the fact that he was already a star before he came to the states. Yeah, he had juice already. He had oh, juice really? everywhere but America. And they now, came here and got the Daily Show, and then that's where everything took off here for him. But like that Gad guy, you know Gad Gad Alema. Is that how you say Alema? Alema. I, I don't think know. Alema. I keep trying to say, it and everybody's like, "We just call him Gad because nobody knows." Yeah, uh, French. He's he's, a- he's French, but he speaks like a bunch of different languages. Mm-hmm. And he has a show. Have you ever seen his show? Yeah, he's got a show on Netflix. It's, it's pretty kinda, funny. It's almost like a Pete Holmes s crashing, but a foreign yes version of that. Like it's, a foreign it's about, comedian. It's about how this guy is so funny around the world, and no one could care less about it. No one knows anything about him here in America. Mm-hmm. But he and he. They say he's a Seinfeld of friends, right? But then Seinfeld gets yeah. mad at him and says, "Don't say that anymore." <laughs> yeah. I, I think the show is hilarious. I haven't watched it in a little while, but I watched the first season. I, I always wonder what that's like, though, to be huge everywhere but America. And why does America matter so much if you're not in America? It's a perspective we'll never have. It does, though. We have the I money think, here. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is once you make it in America, you really make it. You know what I mean? I, I, but by although, whose metric of making? Uh, what is making it? That, that's I think that's and I think that's the definition of a lot of people. Money wise, I'm money. Talking. I think yeah. money wise because I think probably if they're over in France, they could be comfortable over there. But you're not getting millions and millions of dollars like you do. I in mean, America. I get it. You could be like the best ball player in Greece, but until you play in the NBA, NBA yeah. yeah. What was that one? Tom Rhodes. Where did he live? Well, he went over to, I think, Denmark for a while mm-hmm. and was hosting a talk show. He was like the Letterman yeah. of Denmark. He, <laughs> he did a late-night talk show, and people loved him over there. I did not know that yeah. about Tom. Not, yeah, right? No, it wasn't Denmark. It was, uh, where did you just go? What was the... Uh, oh, Amsterdam. 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 That's Amsterdam, where it was, yeah. yeah. And, it's uh, all the same to black people. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he loved it, and he was good, and he, he was very popular there. He said he would ride his bike to work every day, and people would say, here, nothing. Nobody cares about him. Can't even sell outside splitters. But I like him. He's a good guy and he's funny. That's but it, until you become famous here, it doesn't matter. That's fascinating. Although, in a, in a second, I would move to Amsterdam if they were going to pay me a ton of money to go over there. I'd be famous just in Amsterdam. I don't care. I, you know where I enjoy living? Um, where I think I would enjoy living is Vancouver. Any, anywhere up there is beautiful. Canada's, Vancouver is beautiful. 
best kept secret. You ever yeah. notice there's not a lot of Canada tourism commercials? It's like they don't want us they to know. Want, it's nice. Canada is the is now. I I grew up in New York, and I could see the differences in New York City from when I was a kid to now. And it's it's certainly there's it's multicultural, and now it's a, it's more um, uh, mainstream than it is porn, like in Times Square and stuff. But I have never seen in in Montreal because that's the last time I saw you was in Montreal. Montreal is Indian guys with white girls, black girls with Chinese guys. Nobody even it, like that's it's not even not a thought. Issue. They don't even it's notice it. Yeah, the Raptors uh, was the super fan is a, I think he's a seat gentleman. Like, uh-huh. hasn't missed a home game since the creation of the franchise. Oh, really? Like, just a dial. Yeah. And yeah. If I told you what an NBA super fan would look like, I don't think you would guess this person's No, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, but they got they got a lot of heart up there in Toronto. They got uh, mad at me. Why? Um, I, I, how can I put this without getting myself in trouble again? Oh, please. You'll we'll be fine here. I complimented Raptors fans for clapping. When, remember in the NBA Finals when Durant went down with the injury and the Raptors fans clapped? Yes. And people called them classless and right. said, how dare you? But I felt like the true sign of being a fan, a real fan base, is to kind of be a little bit of a jerk. Kind of be a little bit even. Of course you want to be classy, but I was like, you know what? Good for you. Yeah. You've broken through now. You're on your Philadelphia trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened? You won a championship. After that. And the Philadelphia pers- trajectory this, they, is great. Raptor fans do not want that perception. They uh-huh. do, and they do not. They don't want to ever be called. The, the issue was that I painted them as somehow not being diehard fans until that moment. When the truth was, we've always been diehard. How dare you? We're tired of that reputation. Uh-huh. And they kind of. Listen, that's they got not, on me. Fans of a team get very offended when you question their loyalty, like, and that was fair. That was like fair. Conan O'Brien, like the first of all, like the Boston Red Sox did to us one year. I mean, the Boston Bruins when the the Lightning played the Bruins in, in the Cup. They, well, they played them in the in the playoffs, and then and the Bruins put up these posters in the in the thing mocking. Not the team, but the fans, like saying that there were no Lightning fans. Like Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, we don't really see them. We don't know if they exist. And if you're yeah. here and you're a fan, you go, screw him. That's not oh, true. Oh, we we, launched, we waged war against the entire city. The <laughs> Not only do we have fans here for this team, but when this team first came out and it played in the, in the uh, uh, Thunderdome, which is a bigger capacity where they play now, it set NHL attendance records. I mean, we hold records in the NHL for fans. How dare you? So we waged full-on war against against what became the entire city of Boston. It was also when Twitter first came out. So I would, and, and we oh, were doing nice. afternoons. So I would be in. My friends would call me from New York, and they'd be like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like, You're up until four o'clock in the morning fighting with Toronto. I mean, with uh, Boston. I go, "Yes," and I'm so, winning. So <laughs> much that they remember they took the uh, woman's picture down. Yeah. And we was... gave out the PR lady who came up with the campaign. She was a big, fat, ugly woman. Oh. We, put, we hung our picture oh. behind us on the wall so everybody could see her. And then they, when we directed everybody to go look at the website, they took our picture down and put up Cameron Diaz. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And we were like, too late. We already screen grabbed it. So we were fighting with the Bruins, which became fighting with the city of Boston, which was uh, great. And then it became a fight with Conan O'Brien. Because Conan O'Brien, after we beat them, got on TV and insulted uh, Tampa. So uh, I went and gave out Conan O'Brien's office number. And then he had to get on the air. The next day, and tell everybody that that he was so 
he was like, uh, they were so mad that a radio guy <laughs> gave out my office phone number, and it was good. We had a fun time with it, man. Good time. But yeah, don't man. question our loyalty to our team. Okay, so then that means that the Rays-Astros game will be sold out? Rays are awful, and nobody cares about them. <laughs> Uh, except the Rays. That's fine. We acknowledge we have no the Rays. The Rays have done so much in the face of fiscal adversity. and It's a team that uh, they'll make movies about someday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, the way that they go to the playoffs over and over. You can't even blame yeah. that on Joe Madden. That's no. front office making good picks, good drafts, and That's making right. good moves. And, and Kevin Cash being a good coach. And what, nobody goes to see the game. What's it going to take for y'all to... Damn it! Do y'all gotta put ho- the stadium downtown. Are no. you gonna do it? You, you can put the stadium. You can put a little piece of stadium in everybody's house. It's still not gonna. Get I know it. they want. They don't want them to leave St. Pete. Is that the, is this, this feels like a weird custody battle between Tampa and St. Pete? That's my son. It's all a ruse. It's all a ruse. You can move into Tampa, and they're still not gonna go. Have you ever been to an outdoor baseball game in the middle of summer in Florida? Absolutely. Yeah, it's 9,000 degrees. I'll sit in that air-conditioned dome for the rest of my life to see baseball. I thought they was going to give you all some Florida Marlins retractable situation. So they wanted to do that. Or do like the Dolphins and put that weird little sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite a roof, but put a little backdoor porch. (laughs) It's like somebody pulls a shade over Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They wanted to move it to Tampa outside of Ybor City. And every, they had a million spots over there, but they couldn't get that deal done. Then, uh, I, now, where did you grow up? I grew up in Birmingham, So, I, but I grew so up a Cubs fan. Okay, so how often did you get to go to Cubs games living in Birmingham? Oh, zero. We would, right. go, we would see the Braves once a year. Because they were on TV all the time. You could get $5 obstructed view at the old uh, Fulton County State. This is back when Deion Sanders was still playing right. for him, the Ryan Gant yeah. era Braves. So, you know, you once a year, tops. Right. So now I grew up in Staten Island. I had to go from Staten Island uh, over into Brooklyn, into Manhattan to get on the uh, all the way up to the uh, other side to go to the Bronx. My dad used to uh, almost hit a hooker one time on the way to the game because he was taking side streets under the bridge. You want my mom drove me and my brother there. My single uh, mom drove me and my brother to a game, and we got a flat tire in the Bronx in the middle of the week at night. It was horrible. Ooh. But you want to go to a Yankee game, you travel to the Yankees. That's just how it goes. Yeah. If you can't drive from Tampa to St. Pete to go see the Rays, you're just not a fan. That's just how it goes. You just don't want to really go. And that's your excuse. Yeah, it's also football country. Yeah. Uh, football and hockey. Down here, believe it or not, people love the hockey. Yeah, they grew it. The NHL. Yeah. Damn right they did. They grew it. It didn't work in Atlanta, but it mm-hmm. worked down here. Yeah, well, the Thrashers. Yeah. yeah. It went to huh? Winnipeg or something. Not everybody wants it. You know? Atlanta's also a weird traffic city. I I do, I did radio on WSB in Atlanta, which is a news station mm-hmm. from here at night. And I'd be on from ten at night until midnight, and then from ten p.m. till twelve a.m. I'm talking twenty two minutes in a sixty minute hour because they break for traffic so many times. I'm like, how could you have so much bad traffic yeah. in the middle of the night? And they do traffic Unbel- weather on the eight. It's unbelievable. WSB. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know what to do there. It's hard. Well, you probably are always in a bad mood. Atlanta's the only city where you can leave the club drunk and be home and be sober. By the time <laughs> Before you, you get home. <laughs> what time did you, where did you come in from? Uh, L.A. And you took a red eye here? Yeah, I flew to Orlando. Were you, and drove here from yeah. Atlanta this morning. Dude, Ooh. you have me in? I'm coming in. I would have said no. I almost texted you last night. I was going to call Steve Byrne to get your phone number and text you and go, Roy, I love you. You don't have to come in if you don't no, want to. No, that's non-negotiable. That, man. That's I don't get to come in and chop it up with you. And I don't know, like, once the weekend happens, family and life happens, I yeah. don't get a chance. Yeah, you're right. So it was either come in here at 
land in Orlando at 6 in the morning or land in Tampa at 9 in the morning? Oh, well, I'm glad you did that then. May as well, I'm, I'm going to be up anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I may as well just land, grab a rental car. Oh, you drove, she drove yourself Yeah, I here? drove straight. Come on, man. <laughs> Dude, I don't have a helicopter. You, what kind of comedy? You think I got Trevor Noah money? Move have Roy, a Camry. Move Roy up on the list yes. of people that are dedicated to the show. You want to hear Conan's apology to us? Go ahead, play it. Earlier today, as you can imagine, I'm from Boston, and I was upset about the Red Sox losing the uh, the game last night. And, uh, you know, they're, so they're, they're not going to go... Uh, they're not going to get the wild card. Tampa they're Bay done for the year. Yeah, they're done. Tampa Bay is going to get the wild card. That's kind of mad. So I sent out this tweet a couple hours ago. Remember, Red Sox fans, they still have to live in Tampa. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, I was upset. I wasn't in my right mind, and evidently, this did not go over well in Tampa. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? A, uh, they like where they live. Yeah. A local DJ complained about it on the air, and he gave out our phone number telling people to call and complain. We've gotten over a 1,000 calls in just the last couple of hours. And just before the show, this DJ gave out our publicist's personal <laughs> cell phone number. This now, I have to say, I think that's going over the line. That is outrageous. His personal cell phone number. And just to be clear what we're talking about, we're talking about a guy named Drew Shane, okay? <laughs> And they gave out his cell phone number, which happens to be 818-977-0816. That's Who true. does that? No. That's Who recklessly ruins someone's life that way? That's probably going to cause him problems. Yes. Yeah. I no. can't believe they did that. It was uh, that the number was not Drew Shane's that he gave out. That was just oh, an okay. Office. It was but, just an but there was number. a publicist. But number. we gave out Drew Shane's yeah. number. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we we have meetings every once in a while with lawyers from the company, because the FCC is so you don't really know what the rules are. They say these are the rules, but they're real. You have to interpret them. Ambiguous, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, they're always like, "Do you have any questions?" I'm like, "I, I have a question." I'm like, Can you give people's phone numbers out? And they were like, "You don't want to." Is that like, can you do it? And they were like, "Yeah, you can." I was like, "That's all I need to know." Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like that's fine. So, uh, yeah, that was the, the worst part was I really like Conan. So it was kind of, I had to pretend that I hated him for a couple of days. I've always tried to explain that to people about like where we are now in terms of outrage and like people go, oh, outrage culture. But this has always been a thing. Like yeah. I remember when I, I was still doing mornings when the Janet Jackson breasts right. oh, popped yeah. out. And every radio DJ knows that Monday after the Super Bowl, there were meetings. Oh, were yeah. Full. It screwed us up everywhere. Especially here with Cox. Like, they sit in all the lawyers because I was at a Cox station. Right. And the thing that always stuck with me to this day was decency. Something is considered indecent based on the standards of the community, the community. consuming right. said media. Those standards change. They're fluid. It's not. Different places. And yeah. Yeah. It's like the same thing you can say on the air here versus a different station and the expectations of the listener. Like, I'm sure I've said stuff in the past 10 minutes yeah. that if we were a Christian station. Yeah, or just in a different market. When he came here from Fort Walton, the freeze of the first week I was on the air and I said, God damn, like two times. He goes, we're going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> I had the, the station I worked for up there in the cluster, their country station, couldn't say ass. They had to say butt. Meanwhile, we were on oh, a country no. station called Kick Ass Country down yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. Down here, this is the Wild West. Nobody cares about a lot of things. I can't wait till you go full Christian AM. I'm going to be there with you, man. <laughs> I, if the money's right. Uh, <laughs> if, they, if somebody came to me and said, listen, I develop religious shows and you don't understand the money that could be there, 
Praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would Yo, do it in a heartbeat. Best kept secret about a lot of gospel radio, urban, well, not urban gospel, gangster uh-huh. Lord, you know what I mean. <laughs> gospel stations with black DJs, especially young black DJs, right. nine times out of ten, they're also the DJ for the hip hop station down the hall. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, when I was still interning, I was friends with the overnight DJ for our rap station. Who did the gospel station? He would pre-record all the breaks <laughs> in the rap studio, man. So anyway, man, I was telling them, girls, you better clap that booty. Hang on one second, I do this break. Father God in the AM, joy in the morning. It's Lamar Hardy bringing you praise, and we have the mighty clouds of joy coming up next. Heaven sixteen, AGG. So anyway, man, shit's just over. I pulled them draws. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That's hilarious. I I would uh. I think I could see myself as being uh, like a church leader one day. Like seriously, if somebody came to me and said, "Bro, you're missing the boat on the money we can make off this," like that, like one of the gemstones. Yeah, yeah. Grab my mutton chop sideburn and start talking about Jesus. I was watching the Scientology documentary, and nobody as as out there as Scientology is. Nobody's willing to acknowledge the fact that a dude created a religion from scratch. Yeah. It's not derivative of anything that's already on the books. This dude just made out the blue own. made up a religion. Yeah. He, I, you know, they're here. Do you see how hard that is? Oh, yeah. yeah. And such a short amount of time amassed such a following. It has, Scientology is roughly the same age as Delta Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 15-year differential in when they were both founded. Uh, I, uh, they, you know, their headquarters is here in, in Clearwater. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm the only one who defends Scientology. And, and <laughs> who's not a Scientologist? Who's not a Scientologist? As a business, as a religion, just as a right to be crazy or a yeah, right to be They whatever. came in the studio one day because uh, I think it was Leah Remini or one of those people. Somebody had... Oh, the documentary, yeah. Well, I think it was... I don't remember what it was. Somebody had really said some bad stuff at one point, And they said, look, can we come in and talk about it and counter some of that? And I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. They're always willing to talk. Everything's just so secretive. You give them the mic, they'll come in here and talk. And then I ask some questions, and they answer almost all the questions. And I said to them, I said, look at me. I'm going to look right at you and tell you. I'm like, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> but you're no more crazy than any other religion. I grew up a Catholic, and we can compare notes. And we're just as nuts believing our talking snakes and making a woman out of a rib and all that nonsense. It's all garbage. It's all garbage. Now, if you if you look down to them, people are always like, well, they think... They think there's aliens and it had something to do with and an alien race. Is right. Gonna... Well, I got news for you. There's more hard facts that there is alien races out there somewhere than there are of some crazy hippie who lives in the clouds who came down here and died in a cross and all that stuff. There, the, the, I, we at least scientists will say we believe that in the billions and billions of galaxies out of there, there's probably life somewhere out there. I think being raised Southern Baptist in Alabama, knowing what I know now, about religion and watching like I was at so I went to I've gone to three comic cons in the past year right three different conventions or whatever the bible is just a poorly marketed comic book story (laughs) that if they just had pictures and like if you what the what Christianity lacks connecting with young people there's just no pictures put pictures in the bible well, the, if, if you, you call the Bible a graphic novel, right. yes, you understand yes, how yes. many more people would be on board. You're right. It's the same story. It's a dude. Nobody liked him. He's here to help the people. And uh, if he helped the people, you still treated him like an outcast and killed him. And That's yet basically he still loved X-Men. you. He still loved you. Yeah, yeah. He still loved you. He came. He came. His father sent him here, much like Jor-El Superman. sent yeah. Superman. <laughs> to, 
to come here and save the planet, and yet eventually you blamed everything on him. Yeah. It was his fault, you know? And then you, and then you killed him. And Jesus. then he, three days later, he's like, I'm out, peace. If DC Comics acquired the Bible, <laughs> do you understand what that would do oh, yeah. for religion in this yeah. country? It's all about marketing. The Scientologists have just figured out a way to market it in a way that gets people on board who don't buy into the other religions and right. they make a lot of money. Yeah, and they say, look at Tom Cruise. He's a tangible superstar. I would love to create my own religion and make money and then after five years shut it down and go back to my old religion and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I'll give you a little, p- little percentage of my money. Yeah. I- I'm going to my high school reunion this weekend. I went to Catholic school. And for some reason, my friends talked me into going to dinner tonight and- with some of the old teachers, including one guy who was a miserable priest who was mean to me for like eight years of school. And I'm going to dinner with this guy tonight, and I don't. I just hope it doesn't turn into me going. God, you're such a fake. Like I don't want to fight with a guy. You know. Have you seen him since? No. This will be the first yeah. time you since laid the eyes. Last on him? time I saw him, I was a sophomore, and he uh, grabbed me because I wasn't wearing my suit jacket, and he made me go to his classroom and kneel in his classroom in front of a senior uh, classroom uh, during my lunch period. I just had to kneel on my knees. And, I want to kill the guy. I want to kill before Zod. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, if you go to church, like especially big cathedrals, like you were saying, they've done their best to put those pictures on the wall, and they did it right because they were like, no one's gonna like a Middle Eastern Jesus. Make him, make him as white as you can, and give him long hair because the kids like that. So they really kind of they tailored the pictures to what they right, thought. Right, because if were DC like. gets the uh, movie rights for it, Jared Leto is playing Jesus totally, right? all day long. That's yeah. why I'm torn though about my son because I do see a value in the value system that religion sets for you at an early age on just hey, don't be a prick. Yeah. Right, yeah, don't be a prick. Try to consider other ways to be nice to other people, solve problems. Yeah. Right. That they don't teach in school. So I don't know how to teach that. I, I, I'll tell you. I married a half what Jew, so I didn't baptize my kids. I went to 13 years of Catholic school. I married a half Jew who also went to Catholic school for some weird reason. Uh, and I have two kids. Neither one of them are religious. My daughter know, my daughter knows, started asking me questions about Jesus living in her heart because the uh, nanny was blabbing some stuff. But uh, my son. <laughs> Got her out of there. Yeah, I was like. Yeah, you're fired. She's like, you're not really my father. And I go, What? And she goes, well, Jesus is our father. And then you're like, I was like, who is telling you Jesus stuff? Um, And then my son, I just tell him, just don't be a jerk off. Don't pick on Don't be a bully. And if you see somebody needs help, help them. That's pretty much all you got to live by. That's, that's most religions. That that's everything. Covers and keep your most. own. You don't have to give me any money for that. That's so it's religious free. So you not ten percent. You know, ten percent. You don't have to tithe anything to me. Come on, the house got to take a rate. Baby. <laughs> well, you know, maybe if he's a famous hockey player. Yeah, I don't know. I, but thankfully, my girl's family is extremely religious, so I'll just send him off every summer to grandma's. Okay, and he'll get some Jesus. Learn that instruction because yeah. I used to get sent to vacation Bible school in Mississippi. Oh, oh! So we were like three hours a day in the summer, just of learning about God, learning about the Lord. Did any uh, see? Now I feel like I would enjoy that. Well, don't my, get me wrong; I didn't get frat Hayes pledge, have to kneel before Zod right, in front right. of people. It girls, just, were you doing girl stuff then? Um, I was trying. Right, it was on my mind. I That's had what those things boy. are for. You had a Playboy. Play yeah. What about any uh, police uh, priests messing with any of the kids? No, not in the Baptist church. At least not. In the Baptist churches that I was in, okay, it wasn't a lot of that. Is that it happened in my? It's school? usually the pastor or the choir director in a black church. Yeah, yeah, the, choir director. The structure isn't the same as a Catholic choir director. Got a little sugar in him. Yeah, he's sing songy, and he. Uh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> that's, he's got a little sugar in him, great. and he's sing songy, and he's. 
I'm not I'm not gay, but I'm going to teach little kids how to sing. Wow. Onward Christian soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I know how it goes. Yeah, I never came up around any of it. Though. No. Yeah, there was never that I know. You don't of, know of it. Then in, you find any, out about in any later. churches that I've gone to, none of the none of the kids that I went to to Sunday school and all that stuff with, I've never known any of them to come out publicly and go, Same. hey, remember that guy and the pastor and did the thing. Well, like, yeah, no. that father quickly tried to kiss Mike Rinaldi on the mouth. He drove him home from a party and he and he kissed him. And we we're like. He's like came back. He in the look of horror on his face. He's like, Father quickly tried to kiss me. And we're like, he kisses everybody. He's like one of those guys. He hugs and kisses. And he goes, no. He put his tongue in my mouth. And we're like, ah! we had pastors that was just steal money and just bang women. Yeah, yeah, old school religion. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, this priest I'm going to see tonight drove a Cadillac the entire time uh, in, all through my high school, and I'm like. Certain priests had to eat at, at parishioners' houses because they had no money for food, and this guy was rolling an Eldorado. And I was like, I don't know how this happened. How long do you think you could be there? What's your countdown clock before you snap and just make him just have to repent for just being a prick? I'm pr- I don't know how I old think he is now. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's going to be in you. It's going to be in you. And unless he's like frail and someone's no. feeding him applesauce, right. you're not going to feel sympathy. <laughs> no, he's not that old. I'm gonna. It'll be based on him. If he starts to be a wise ass, I'll be a wise ass. If he's cool, I'll be cool. But you know what's worse is when someone's a prick and then they try to be cool and that like the prick stuff never happened. Right. right. Yeah. That's oh, worse. I, I can't wait to bring up stuff to him. I like that he made me kneel in front of his classroom. I give you. Bef- after the appetizers, but before the entree arrives, <laughs> I'm gonna tweet it out. I'll tweet it out. I'll Somewhere in that in that gap, you're gonna break down. Yeah. And it's gonna go south. Yeah, you'll see the look on my face is changing. Me, okay, I got, I got to ask you. Questions. Right, you know, that yeah, kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Oh man, you're too real. You're too real. Yeah, you can't not in a mean way, but fake. yeah, yeah no, no, not that malicious. The, yeah, I can't let the fake stuff fly. Finally, I'm gonna have to call BS on something. Yeah, he'll 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 tell you something stupid like I, I've, I'm so proud of you. That's what the, that's no, that's always I, the no, move. So so I went to my 20 year high school reunion, and my my priest uh, um, principal was there. And he didn't remember me at all, and he was such a prick to us. And I went up to him and I said, "Hey, I'm uh, my name is Mike Calta. I'm uh, I was one of your students. I'm sure you don't remember me. But I graduated, and he and I said I was one of the bad kids. And he's like, oh, he goes, how bad? I go, oh, nah. I think you. I go, I was one of the poor kids. So I think you picked on me a little bit more than normal. And he was like, oh, and he goes, did you graduate? You get diploma? And I was like, yeah. And I'm so rich now. And he was like, oh, well, good for you. I guess I was like, all right. I'm not really rich, but I exaggerated. You know what I'm saying? So you let him off the hook. Well, he was he was pretty old. Uh, he was pretty old, so I wanted to let him. Just wanted to give him a little nudge, let him know I made it. Let him know I was all right. Those mean teachers always live long, don't they? Yes. They don't die off. No. Sister Carmel was a nun that we had in f- first or eighth grade, and she was known for, this is no joke, she had a tremendous set of breasts, and it, and she almost like used to, like she would look like a pinup model the way she wore her sweaters. They were two torpedoes. This is a nun. She didn't wear the nun habit, but she wore, and she had two oh, torpedoes. like watermelons, like yeah. shooting straight out. Straight out. <laughs> and, like, the mothers would always be like, she's a nun. She can't. And her. And the other thing was she used to beat the kids. And I don't mean, like, I mean, she used to punch punch kids in the face. She was brutal. And she didn't die until I was on the air one day here. So she died sometime in the in the mid-2000s. So was she in her 90s somewhere now? Yeah, like, she really stretched it out. And then... And I couldn't believe how many people on Facebook were like, ding dong, the witch is finally dead, you know? It was a, it was a human being who died. Who is the kid that punched the nun? David O'Connell. Is he going to be there? Um, I don't know. No, no, he didn't go punched to... Punched a nun. Well, What so did the nun do? <laughs> she, was, she held him like this. She grabbed him by the top of his head 
and was slapping him back and forth like the Three Stooges in the face. <laughs> but hard, hard. And the, in the schoolyard. And then he, and he was a little bit on the spectrum, and he lost his mind and just hauled off and started punching in the face. <laughs> and every every kid is shocked, and then the whole entire schoolyard er, er, erupted in applause. <laughs> Loved it. The guy was beating up a nun, and everybody was just cheering. That's how mean she was. Good times. Yeah, it was good times. I mean, when we go to hell, we can all sit around and talk about that day together. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. is in the studio with us. He is here uh, at Sidesplitters tonight, two shows, 8 and 10, 15, Saturday 8 and 10, 30, 960-1197 or sidesplitterscomedy.com. You've seen Roy on uh, Comedy Central's Daily Show. You've also seen him on Sullivan and Son. He's been on a bunch of things. He's a very funny comedian and a good friend of the show and drove all, flew into Orlando and drove all the way here to be on the radio. Yeah. I would have just been like, I ain't coming. No, why would I be like that? I don't know. Steve Byrne would do that. <laughs> Yeah, but I ain't Steve Byrne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you talked to him? Oh, yeah. Steve and I keep in touch, man. Is it, um, I just talked to Byrne uh, three days ago. I love Steve. As a matter of fact. Are you guys on a text chain about how weird Owen Benjamin is? Nah, we don't talk about it. <laughs> scary. That's his path. Yeah. Go, you, that's what you want to do, man. Uh, hey, go do your thing, uh, man. Feed your family whatever you think you need to do to feed your family. What about that other terrorist you guys used to work with? I met him, man. He threatened to blow up a comedy club. Oh, I'm just kidding. We had him. Did you hear about that? Somebody threatened him, right? Yeah. Well, they called. He was at uh, Captain Brian's in uh, Naples. And I think audience me, members. An audience member called the police and said that he was making some sort of reference, like he was going to blow the place up. He, Ahmed, last I talked to Ahmed, Ahmed is a weird one because I'll only talk to him like every four months, and every time I do, he's in a different country. country. Yeah, yeah, he travels everywhere. It's on some Jason Bourne, <laughs> hey man, I live in Malaysia now, here's my address. And you know like foreign addresses are like eight numbers, two letters, three more numbers. The zip code's like a V. A yeah, v I'm like, why is there yeah. a V in this? And yeah. mail, can you mail me two of the coasters <laughs> from the Sullivan? To, all right, Ahmed, whatever you need. Wouldn't man. that be great if Ahmed was really like a Jason Bourne thing? Like like how that movie with, uh, what's his face, the uh, um, the guy from the Gong Show, where he was oh, yeah. really a, a spy and they were sending him out. Dangerous though. Mind Dangerous or whatever. Mind, yeah. Or, yeah. No, Ahmed does not have the motivation <laughs> to get up every day to do spy stuff. I'm telling yeah. you right now. That experience we had on Sullivan and Son was one of the best things ever and had nothing to do with the show. It was all about the catering. I still can't get over <laughs> how everybody in Hollywood is not super fat because all they do is feed you. Oh, it's great food. Great that food. That was a good time. Chefs, and they have to feed you every certain couple of hours, and they'll feed you three different kinds of breakfast, lunch, vegetarian, a whole room filled with candy and ice cream. When the time is right and I get the permission from everybody to tell the stories, I, I got to. There's so much fun stuff that happened on set. Oh, just like crazy stuff. Give me a little. I mean, like, there was. There, there were days where. There were days where, like, Owen and I might have some tension or Owen and Ahmed might have tension, but, like, in the midst of. Somehow, in the midst of that tension, like, right. that Because we also were in the middle of touring. So you just see somebody every day, every day, every day. Yeah. And some days you're just not in the mood to see somebody. But it created the best performances on set. Uh-huh. That it was just, I don't know, man. That was just a magical window of my life. Sullivan and everybody that was there. Uh, we the, There was a guy that got fired. Uh, here's a story I can tell. Is this Calera? Uh No, 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 no. <laughs> there, was, there was a guy that got fired because... Vince Vaughn. <laughs> so Vince was the Vince Vaughn was the executive producer. Of right. Show. And so there was a guy in the background, and I think Bernard's told you the story. 
there was a guy that was an extra who wanted to be in every shot. So he got his hands on a script and figured out who was talking when. Where to stand. So he knew how to move around the bar during the shoot <laughs> so that he was always in every single shot. So in, in post, when they were, like, editing everything, this guy looks like he's just zipping him around the bar. <laughs> so when you look at it in the edit, it looks like a dude on coke. He's <laughs> just running, running, running around. around. And God. all he's trying to do is be in the background. Uh, Vince was so pissed, he reshot two of the scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, oh. get him out of here. The guy's got to go. Uh. And Vince is a very intense. Yeah, yeah. He's funny, but when it's business, it's business. Uh-huh. Yeah, who's the guy in the yellow shirt? <laughs> why does yellow? Why is he still in the? <laughs> all right, we got We're gonna just shoot all that all over again and just tell yellow shirt he can never return. Yeah. <laughs> yellow shirt. Yeah, it's hilarious. It literally looks like everybody's drinking and having a good time, and there's just one lunatic in the background <laughs> just shaking and going from spot to spot. We had a ball doing that. A lot of people just sit around and wait. We loved it, man. We were just sitting on the set. I got in trouble from. Um, I was taking a picture of. Uh, What's the kid's name? The the kid from the Christmas story, Ralphie. But Ralph, what's his real name? Peter yeah. Billy. Peter. Yeah, Peter. Peter. I have he. I was sitting there. Uh, I was trying to tweet out that we were there. We were like live tweeting that we were on the set, and it was one of those times where you just sit in position for a half hour. Mm-hmm. And and Billingsley saw me uh, taking the picture, and he sent a uh, PA to come over and tell me to stop, put the camera away. And uh, I, I didn't know, but I have a picture of him glaring at me. <laughs> yeah, he He's on the other side of the bar looking at me. His eyes are red. And it, it's great. It's I, Not too many people in their lifetime could say they got mean mean stared down by, uh, right. by Ralphie. Yeah. yeah. Also another intense business-minded gentleman. Yeah. Uh-huh. Him and Vince work well together. That's good for them, man. Who would have thought? That's what I feel like I lack, though, in Hollywood is that I don't I, – because you grow up on the road. You don't make the bonds that people make when they live on the coast. Right. Hollywood friends. Yeah. It's like growing up in school where, like, being a road comic is like being homeschooled. Yeah, right. So, same job, but I have no friends. Different and city. now I'm at the same place yeah. as you. And Who's your best friend? I don't know, man. She has um, a good answer. I got, I got, it's just, it depends on the quadrant. In I New York. I got people in LA I kick it with. I got people. Where do you stay in New York when you're working? Uh, well, I live in New York now. In the so, city? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the oh, city. You know, you know, you know I talk money. to a lot, man. I talk to Neil Brennan. You do? Neil Brennan a lot. I got we're a couple buddies end. from high school. We're on the other end of the Brennan. We're on the Kevin Brennan side. On the Kevin yeah. Brennan side of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Can't like both. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting family. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder right. what their Thanksgiving is yeah. like. Um, yeah. I think I think that's probably you know there's other comics and stuff that I'm all cool with, but nobody that I have a bond that goes back to like the early days of struggle. Right, right, right. You didn't come up with somebody in particular. Yeah, you don't have that. Like when I watch comedians in cars getting coffee, I kind of get jealous. Like I saw um, Seinfeld and George Wallace. Yeah. And they're like talking about. Remember back in '78, <laughs> we was out there. We'd get a fifty cent slice of pizza, and then we'd go do twelve sets. And I'm like, God, I love that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's cool though. Yeah, it's cool well, I uh, I always wonder how you Hollywood guys become friends. Like if you uh, like how how because Billingsley and and Vince Vaughn were did like kids movies together, right? You, you have to not. You have to, you can only be friends with other people in entertainment if you're both at a level of comfort in your career. Yes. Because so if either, one goes above the other one. 
Although, I don't know, Vince is ahead of Billingsley. Yeah, but Peter B's been producing for a long That's time. That's true. He's doing so right. So his choice was always to be behind camera. So Peter never had the anxiousness and the need to compete with Vince. So because that there's no competition, the friendship can flourish. Right, okay. Because you're not competing against one another. So the, I think the friendships only work in the beginning, like in kindergarten or grad school. Right. And then if you separate, one Anytime goes Anytime in between. You're probably it's hard right. because, probably you know, right. like you just got to be comfortable in what you're doing in your own race and not get jealous of people. I think that's what eats up a lot of friendships. It's hard in that business, man. Because you see somebody else get something. Why did he get it and I didn't get why, it? And why I, you not me? <laughs> I can't be happy for you. And you see Burt Kreischer getting famous being fat with no shirt on. You're like, is that what it takes? He is it. that what it takes? He did them damn podcasts, man. Yeah, he did. He went and found the people that like shirtless comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that is a niche. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. I've been in other countries with them. It's amazing to see how many shirtless drunks there are around the world. Bert's audience is the most attentive, rowdy. It's it's attentive, rowdy. I don't even know what to call it exactly. Right. But you would think it's like this uncontrolled pep rap. No. No. They shut up and appreciate joke structure. They like the comedy. Oh, they like the comedy. We're for the comedy, but also please take your shirt off. Right. Uh, Drink till you, till you get smattered like, and take your shirt off, but we'll listen to you jokes. It's like this weird thumb in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I enjoy sex, but also it's a little thumb. Take your shirt off. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, thank you for getting up early and coming all the way over here. Man, thank you for having me, man. I'm going to New York. You want me to stay at your house where you're? Uh, you can ask my today. girl. Yeah, I'll babysit that kid. I don't know. I got baby fever right now. Uh, no. I want one. You want after you see my son. Uh, I don't know. He took a dump in the tub. <laughs> Every kid takes a dump in the tub. Well, I don't you, like it. You know, nobody <laughs> likes it because you got to clean it, and then you got to clean the kid a different way because he dumped in the tub. Yeah, but no, we feed him good grain and uh, stuff. It, it was pretty solid. <laughs> you can just trap it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, I know yeah. he's healthy because right. it floated. Yeah. Uh, that's what they say, right? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't that's know. what Oprah said. Yeah, as long yeah. as it floats, you're okay. What is it doesn't? Uh, you're, you're eating not. wrong. Oh, yeah, you're eating the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Put it yeah. this way. I'm telling you right now, how long ago was that Oprah show where she talked about poop? I mean, she was on the air on TV, so was it 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there are days where I will go home and make a number two, and I go, oh, this is, I am not meeting any Oprah's requirements right now. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's, not, it's not floating. It's It smells like a it's uh, two-tone. garbage. Uh, yeah. This is, I don't even want to look at it. I'm afraid to look at it. It's got <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's mad. Uh, Roy Wood Jr., go see him at Sidesplitters, sidesplitterscomedy.com to buy tickets to go see him. I promise you'll love him. Great to see you, my man. I mean it when I say this, man. It's always a pleasure to be in your presence, uh, and I appreciate you for having we me. We thank you for coming in. I was sitting outside. Uh, I got to tell you this real quick. I was sitting outside of uh, in the Montreal Comedy Festival outside the hotel, and it was me and Bobby Kelly. Do you remember this? Yes. We were sitting on that concrete, and uh, what's his name? Neckbeard comedian, the good-looking one. Chris, Chris, Delia. 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 Chris Delia came over and talked to us, and a bunch of other comedians came by, and then I saw Roy, and Roy got up, and I go, oh, there's Roy. I got up and went over and said hi, and Bobby goes, Jesus Christ, you must be some kind of royalty. He hasn't moved his ass off of this thing for anybody. <laughs> he saw you. He got up right over there. I, like, oh, I know. I know who the guy. I know who the guys are. 
Uh, all right, go see Roy. We'll take a break. Thanks, man. Yeah, we got uh, uh, Steven and Taro if they didn't leave. They uh, did not leave. And just uh, so you guys know, I don't want Roy to leave here without knowing. Your poop should not float. It should sink to the bottom. What? If it's floating, that means you have high fat content and you're not absorbing uh, Oprah's wrong. So it should, well, it should, your stool Oof. should sink in the toilet. Well, what the hell am I when feeding my son? <laughs> when when your stool floats, it is associated with celiac disease or chronic Uh-oh. pancreatitis. No gluten.